We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. All right. Well, if you have a Bible today, let's open up to Luke chapter 19. As today we have this great story of uh, Zacchaeus and what an awesome lesson it is for us. Because look what you read in Luke 19 verse 1. It says, And then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a little guy, right? (laughs) And so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man was a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a wonderful story of this man coming to faith, coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, a while back there was a real popular song, um, not only seen in the Christian charts, but also sung in the Christian churches. The song was called, I Found Jesus. Did you guys, any of you guys remember that song, I Found Jesus? It was by a group called Delirious. Although it was a very popular song, Some Christians did struggle with it, and they accused the band Delirious of being delirious because they're like, wait a minute, what do you mean you found Jesus? Jesus found you, you know? And so there is this debate going on within the Christian circles. And and that's a pretty interesting question, isn't it? I mean, is it you finding Jesus? I mean, here we see Zacchaeus climbing the tree, running. He wants to see him, looking for him. And at the same time, though, we see Jesus going to him, don't we? You know, and there's a you know thought there from uh, I guess you could say it's a soteriological perspective, this doctrine of salvation. You know, but we you know see the story today. I think kind of unfold within our text that it's not just that you know simple. It's not cut and dry. It's not either or. It's usually a little bit of both. Isn't it? I mean, you know, we know that God must draw, but as you respond to that invitation, as you hunger and thirst after God, like the Bible says, if you seek for him, you will find him when you search for him with all of your heart. And so we're going to see today a great lesson. Again, we see in verse one that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. If you remember back in chapter 18, verse 31 that Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem. You know, he's heading for the cross. He's going to be delivered to the Gentiles, mocked, insulted, spit upon, scourged, killed. 
But then on the third day, he would rise again, right? Most would reject him, and that's really the bottom line. But there were a handful that would accept him. And one of those would be this guy named Zacchaeus. Because look at this guy again in verse 2. It says, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. The first thing I think that we need to see in this whole story of salvation is that Zacchaeus was a sinner big time. He was a sinner like you, you know, a big time sinner. I mean, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, you know. His name means pure or righteous one, but he definitely wasn't living up to his name. We see, first of all, that he was a sinner implicitly. And we just know that because he was a tax collector, right? I mean, he is a chief tax collector. He'd be very wealthy and influential, which is not a sin in and of itself. But, you know, in Jericho, there would be massive amounts of money to be earned. And as a tax collector, the way that it would work is you're responsible to give a certain amount to the Roman government. Anything else you got, man, you could, you know, pocket you for yourself. And so what these tax collectors would do is they would charge large exorbitant amounts beyond the legal requirement. And therefore, in essence, what they were doing was they were ripping off the people. You know, and, you know, when you think about that, you know, it's it's a crazy thing. I know for some of you here, every once in a while you might turn on the TV. Maybe you're watching some, you know, preacher up there, right? He has this place, this position, this responsibility, and there he is asking for money. There he is saying, you know, you just give me $100, man, and, you know, God's going to give you $1,000. And what's he doing? He's ripping off the people. Don't ever give to those people. I mean, and these are ladies on fixed incomes. These are widows. We have nothing. These are guys in $3,000 suits, and it should make you sick, and it should make you angry because it is so wicked. Well, that's who Zacchaeus was. He wasn't just a task collector. He was a chief task collector. He was a sinner, we know, implicitly because of this you know, position He was a sinner we see explicitly there in verse 7. It says, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, it's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. They knew he was a sinner. Why? Because he had ripped them off. The word right here for sinner is a real interesting Greek word. It speaks of an individual devoted to sin, preeminently sinful, especially wicked. A man stained with certain vices and crimes. I mean, Zacchaeus was a big-time sinner. We see it implicitly that he was a chief tax collector. We see explicitly he's called a sinner by people who knew him, whom he had ripped off. And he was even a sinner admittedly, because there in verse 8 where he says, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone, the word if, Kenneth Weiss translates since, since I have taken. And so... In every angle, looking at this guy's life, we see that he was not just a sinner. He wasn't just your typical sinner. He was rich. He was heartless. He was a cheap tax collector. And so if you saw somebody like that, you know, and and think about it, you guys. I don't know what it is. What's the worst, like, type of individual that you can think of? That was him. You know, and so you're like, well, then, of course, God would want nothing to do with him, right? 
Of course, God is just waiting to kill him, right? And, and you know, we, we got to understand that's not the heart of God. You know, God is going to reach out to this man. Is there any hope for him? Yes, there is hope. And you're like, well, wait a minute, time out. Didn't Jesus say in Luke chapter 18, verse 24, we studied it a couple weeks ago, Manny, that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? You know, because they don't need God, because they get distracted with all the riches and things that riches can buy. And didn't Jesus say it's you know easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? Yeah, it's hard. But remember what the Lord also said? With man, it's what? Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why, you know, we must be people who are spirit-led. Because a lot of times we'll look at that individual over there and you know what? They're kind of close. I think I'm going to reach out to them. Or, you know, no, not that one, man. They're too far gone, you know? And, and, and the Lord knows that maybe it's going to be the most wicked person that you've ever met that God will use you to reach out to them. Because we see, first of all, the, the sinner. But then it's so cool because the sinner becomes a searcher, a searcher. Because look again at verse 3. And he sought. He sought to see who Jesus was. I love that. But he couldn't because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. And so he ran ahead, climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. We see Zacchaeus may not have been financially challenged, but he was vertically challenged, right? <laughs> He was short. He was probably even shorter than me, you know. And so he heard the word that Jesus was passing through Jericho. And for whatever reason, we don't know why it doesn't say, he wanted to see him. Now, I think we can read between the lines a little bit. More than likely, Zacchaeus was sick and tired of being sick and tired. More than likely, Zacchaeus had discovered the same thing that Solomon of old had discovered, that riches or religion will never satisfy the heart and soul of a man. More than likely, he heard that Jesus was different, that this Jesus was real. He probably even heard through the grace vine that this Jesus was the Savior, the Son of David, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. My only hope, if only I could see him. You know, maybe he can heal my heart. And so, you know, he wanted to see him. But there is a problem because when he went down the street, all the streets were lined with people and he couldn't because he was too short to see over the crowds. And so rather than giving up, he did a couple of things. Uh, one that most men didn't do back then, they, he, he ran. That was one thing. Men in the East, especially elderly, wealthy, influential people, wouldn't run. And number two, he did something that most men still don't do nowadays, and that is he climbed a tree, right? Think about it, you guys. When was the last time you climbed a tree? It's been a while, huh? I encourage you, go home, climb a tree today, man. <laughs> Just don't fall out. I think that if you do that, though, I think the message will really hit home, man. You'll be like, I'm experiencing it, yeah. <laughs> By faith. Anyways, um, when we were little kids, we used to run all the time, huh? When we were little kids, we used to climb trees, didn't you? It was fun. And you know, the Bible says that unless you become like a little child, you're not going to be converted. And there's so much here because we're all short. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we need to run to him. 
And we need to do whatever we can to see Jesus. Not religion, not the pastor, not the teacher, not your friend, not the video, not the whatever it is that you're, you know. We need to do whatever we can to see Jesus. Don't give up. You may be short, but you can run and you can climb. You can find a way to see Jesus. You see, he was a sinner, but he became a searcher because he became a climber. Zacchaeus is transitioning from sinner to searcher, and there he is, man. It must have been so amazing to see. People were probably chipping out. There's the chief tax collector in the tree, you know? There's a sight for sore eyes, right? And so what ends up happening? Well, we see there in verse 5, as he's there in the tree, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. You know, the Lord basically said, um, I, I need to stay. I must stay at your house. Come down right now. Now, if the Lord said that to you, come down right now. Right now, right here, right, this moment in time. I want to have fellowship with you. You know, what would you say? Well, Lord, I got so many things on my schedule. And, you know, I was just kind of just wanted to see you from a distance. I'm not talking about really having a heart to heart, really having an openness and a conversation. You know, Zacchaeus didn't have to say yes, but he said yes. And he did it joyfully and he received him. And, you know, and it's like I was saying earlier, well, who's looking for who? Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but I think in the end what we find was Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. And I think that's the way it is for us. My prayer is that, you know, you would come to church and your heart would always be, not just here, but always, I'm looking for the Lord. I want to see the Lord. But I also hope and pray that you would know that he is looking for you. That he is longing for you. It's a mutual desire that the Lord has. Because Zacchaeus said, yes, amen. You know, to me it's really interesting, again, in verse 5, that the Lord would say, I must stay at your house. You know, why must Jesus stay there? Do you think it was because Zacchaeus had the nicest pad in town, which he probably did? You think it's because Jesus was thinking, I'll bet you the beds are comfortable and there's free Wi-Fi. You think that's what Jesus was thinking? No way, right? What did he want to do? He wanted to commune with Zacchaeus. You know what? I believe that God sees through all that. He sees through all that. And he sees the prostitute. He sees the drunk. He sees the pimp. He sees the child molester. He sees the one who had abortion. Everything. He sees through all that. And he sees the hurting hearts and his compassion just goes out to them he wanted to spend time with Zacchaeus personally and intimately and converse with him heart to heart but we see in verse 7 that the people had a problem with that right when they saw it they all complained saying he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner you know just uh, I just really pray that as we go and study the Bible together that we would really learn 
what our Lord, who our Lord is, what he's like. You know, the Bible talks about David being a man after God's own heart. And, and you know, a lot of people misunderstand that verse. They think that means that God really loved him. You know, God loves everybody the same. The thing about David being a man after God's own heart was he had a heart like God's heart. And when you read the Bible, one of the things that I see is very clear is that Jesus loves the sinners. He loves them so much. You know, and not just that, oh, I'll pray for you. You know, not just that, but I will, I will look for you. I will meet with you. I will eat with you. I will do everything I can to bring you into the kingdom. You know, and a lot of Christians, unfortunately, they're like verse 7. I can't believe this guy would eat and meet with sinners. You know, we saw that back in Luke chapter 5. Same complaint, murmuring, grumbling. And the Lord said, man, I've came to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous. I've got to be there with people who are lost as lizards. We saw it again in Luke chapter 7 when a woman who was probably a prostitute, she came to Jesus and she just, you know, there was Jesus, uh, you know, at this dinner with the Pharisees, you know, and this woman comes in, who knows how she was clothed, probably not too well. But she comes in crying, weeping, tears flowing, wiping his feet, kissing his feet, wiping them with her hair. You know, and the the Pharisees are like, well, if he knew who she was, this man was a righteous guy, he wouldn't put up with that. You know, we see it again in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. There was Jesus again meeting and eating with sinners. And they said, you know, I can't believe this. And then we go on to read Luke 15 and Jesus is looking for the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. I pray that we would understand that Jesus didn't live within the four walls of the church, that Jesus wasn't only fellowshipping. Yes, he did fellowship and there's a place for that mutual edification. And whatever you do, don't go out and be with the lost and return to your vomit. But don't think that God doesn't want you to shine in the darkness. We need to have the same heart that God has. And we're going to see that later even more. That's his mission. That's his vision. And we need to have the same thing. You know, we see the sinner becomes a searcher. And the searcher is not just Zacchaeus. It's also Jesus. Because look what ends up happening in the end. We see the Savior. Because again, Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. We see, first of all, it's so cool. You know, this encounter with Christ brought salvation. Now, wasn't that this guy went and, you know, gave half of his possessions in order to be saved? It said he went and he gave half of his possessions and he would restore fourfold in retribution anyone he had wronged, not in order to be saved, but because he had been saved. And it was a radical transformation in his life. And, you know, just as a quick side note, there needs to be evidence. I mean, if you're still living with your boyfriend and girlfriend, I mean, that's not evidence of salvation. If you're still living in sexual sin, if you're still getting high, if you're still getting drunk, 
if you're still, you know, abusing your spouse or whatever it is, that's not evidence of salvation. If you don't have a heart for the loss. And I'm not talking just religious stuff. Oh, I read now. I pray now. I go to church. No, I'm talking about love. Practical application. You know, what is he doing here? Oh, I promise now I'm going to go to church seven times a week. No. That wasn't the evidence for salvation. It wasn't that he had a t-shirt or whatever the bumper sticker was. It was he was now going to, you know, commit himself to help others. And there was this evidence of salvation that, you guys, we need to test ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. The evidence of what the tree is like, what kind of tree it is, is by the fruit it produces. Not, to, not by the sign it says. I can put a sign on that tree over there. It says it's a lemon tree. Cool. But if it's bearing apricots, you know, I, I know what it is. It's not a lemon tree. It's an apricot tree. And if you say you're a Christian and you got the t-shirts and you got the habits, but you're not living the life, then you need to really search your heart. You see, this is evidence of salvation. See, it's spirit instead of faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. And it needs to go public. Zacchaeus goes public with the proclamation that, you know, he was going to give not just half of his salary, but half of his goods. The law said, hey, 20%, you got to give. No, he said, no, what? I'm going to give fourfold. You see, he experiences salvation, and we see the evidence, because the last thing we're going to look at is the keys to salvation, what the Lord had done. Look again in verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. How did he get saved? How do you get saved? Answer, faith in God. Faith in God. You're like, wait a minute, Manny. The Bible says that he got saved because Jesus said he's a son of Abraham. He calls him a son of Abraham. And he even says because he's a son of Abraham that faith had come to this house. But we know that this is not a physical thing, right? It's not a biological thing. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist said in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from this stone. And so it's not a physical thing. Right? What it is is a spiritual declaration. Right? That salvation comes as we exercise faith in God as Abraham did. There's a good verse over in Romans chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be, speaking of Abraham, the father of all those who believe. Romans 4, verse 16, the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. You see, when you put your life your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, when you understand that he died for you on the, on the, on the cross, and it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, you know, Zacchaeus climbs up the tree. Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus climbs up this tree. Jesus climbs up this tree. And he's nailed to a cross for us. 
You know, I'll never forget the day that I got saved, you know. I had been going to church all my life. I had read my whole Bible before I was a Christian. Think about that. That sounds weird, huh? You know, but I didn't know the Lord. I had gone through my sacraments. And I would do the sign of the cross every time I passed a church or heard a siren, man. I mean, I would pray every day before I would go out to to, to the day. Lord, help me to live this day according to your will and everything I think and say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say that every single day. But I didn't know the Lord. Why? Because it wasn't by faith. It wasn't from my heart. It may have been in my brain, but not in my heart. And then one day, I surrendered my life to Christ. He called me. He found me. I found him. And just by faith, I believed in him with my heart. I trusted in Jesus. And he saved me. I mean, and that's how we're saved. And that's how we become sons of Abraham. You guys remember that song? You guys probably sing it, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. (laughs) That's who we are. You know, the Lord is still dealing with the Jewish nation. Don't get me wrong. That's still a reality there. Don't let anybody tell you the church has replaced Israel. No, they're still there. But what we see is that God is saying to us that spiritually speaking, by faith we become his sons. You see, there has to be faith in God. And then number two, and here's the last point, we have to be found by God. Because that was his mission. There in verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, sometimes people debate as to whether or not Jesus was handsome. I... I I, he probably was, you know. I'm not really sure. It doesn't matter. But I do know he was good looking. He was a good looking man. He was a good looker for the lost. And you need to be good looking people, too. I mean, your hair looks nice today. Nice top that you're wearing, whatever it is. But, you know, I pray that, you know, we would catch the vision. And understand that since it's happened to us, God found us, then we need to go out and find others. Life is good, and you know, you can stay in your own little Christian, you know, cubbyhole if you want till you die. It's safe. It's safe there. But it's not what God would have you to do. Now, Warren Risby said this He said, When Jesus was ministering on earth, he sought out the lost. And today the Holy Spirit, through the church, is searching lost sinners. You know, today it was kind of cool. Well, actually, we see this happen, you know, pretty frequently in our house. I hope my wife doesn't mind me telling this story. But I was in the garage this morning with God, okay? I was in the garage with God. And then Shelly comes into the garage and she says, I can't find my keys. And you know what that means, right? Get up and help me find my keys, right? And so we got up and we were searching, you know, nooks and crannies underneath clothes and different rooms and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, and then we found them, praise God, and everything worked out. And I was just thinking, you know, that's kind of like the way it is, you guys. Sometimes we need to hear a story like this because we're like, well, I'm in the garage with God right now, you know, I'm... I'm in the garage with God, and God is just saying, cool, yeah, there's a place for that. You need that. You can't do anything without that, man. But you also need to get up 
and you need to go looking for the lost. As a matter of fact, I think there's three things we can come away with today. Number one, Christians should be grateful they're found. Why? Because you were short. (laughs) You were short. But thank God, somewhere along the line, you climbed the tree to see Jesus, and he saw you. Praise God for that. Number two, Christians should be searching. Searching for the lost. Praying, Lord, who is it that you want me to reach out to? Who can I give an invitation to church to? Who can I pray for? How can I do this, Lord? And then number three, today, just in case you're not here today, maybe you're not a Christian, my encouragement to you is to give your life to Christ, to know that you're not here by random chance, that you're not here by accident, that not only, you know, is there the love of your brothers and sisters, but there is the love of God that is here to save you. You know, one of the things that was so cool when Jesus was ministering to Zacchaeus, what did he say? Today. Today, salvation has come to this house. And I want to say to you today that if you don't know the Lord and if you're lost and broken and hurting and ready, then today salvation can come to your house. And so, Lord, we thank you for loving us, Lord, so much. Thank you that the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost, Lord. We thank you so much for allowing us to study your word and just to contemplate that. Lord, I would have had no hope unless you found me, Lord. And so we are grateful, Lord, as Christians. And as Christians, Lord, I think that our heart beats a little bit like your heart in that we would just pray so hard today if there is anyone here who doesn't know you Lord if there's anyone here who needs salvation God that you would save them and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord you want Jesus You want today to be the day, man, it can be, where you absolutely surrender to the love of God. You're willing to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. If that's you and you want to do that right where you are, just pray this prayer. Mean it. Pray it from your heart. And just say, Dear Lord, I come to you today and I admit I have sinned. But today I turn from my sin and I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and help me to live life for you as a Christian from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just in case any of you pray that prayer, you know, we would love to talk with you after we sing this song. I want to encourage you to come up, give you a Bible, and... uh, just follow up on you. I pray that the Lord will bless you big time. All of you here, man, let's all stand and and just be grateful to God for what he's done.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.